Amen. It's going to be a great day. Go ahead and take your seats. We're going to get into the word, and I'm excited. I've had a couple weeks not preaching, and um, someone told me a few years ago, they're like, uh, Shannon, we, we know you. We're like, if we believe that if you couldn't preach, you'd probably die. You know, so it's just it's in my bones. I love to share and impart um, what I believe God is putting on my heart uh, to those who want to hear it. And we're wrapping up our our identity series uh, today. How many of you were here for Pastor Darrell last week? Wasn't that awesome? How many of you were here the week before that when Brother John almost took my job? (laughs) Awesome word. And it's good. Um, God does not build ministry or churches around one person. Can we say amen? But he seeks to equip and release those that are under the sound of his voice into the work of the ministry. And so we're we're finishing identity this week. And then next week, we're going right into a series called Battle Ready. We're going to be talking about uh, something that's not talked a lot about um, in church, but spiritual battle. Um, How many of you have been in a battle in your life? So we're going to really get into the word of God and what it says um, in regards to spiritual battle and spiritual warfare and, and know that we'll walk in victory. But really the foundation for that message um, is going to be laid this week at the end of this series. And as I was beginning, uh, we're wrapping it up, and the title of it is called The New Man. And when I began to look at the scriptures, can I get a little more volume up here just slightly? Um, when I began to look at the scriptures beginning at Genesis, and I began to think about the vision of this church and Um, which is to meet people where they are and help them to become everything that God wants them to be. And I began to look at the work that God did throughout the Bible. And it's amazing to me, but not so much amazing, that God has always sought to find a man or a woman where they are, speak to not where they are, but to their destiny and where he was taking them. And he always, when, when people came into contact with God, it was impossible for them to remain the same. It was impossible for them to remain neutral. When God began to deal with a person or he met them or he showed up in their life, he never showed up to keep them where they are. This is important because if we don't understand this, we will be content to stay stagnant where we are in our life, not realizing that God has always called us to more. He's always always called us to greater. He's always moving us forward and not backward. Can we say amen? When God speaks to us, he's speaking to push us forward. You've heard me say this in this church before. But dealing with identity is important because how many of you know, you, at some point you got to know who you are. Because knowing who you are is tied to the things that you're entitled to um, in this world, the blessings, the promises. All of that is tied to your identity um, in Christ. But when we go through the scriptures, we find that he deals with people, even like when he created Adam, he said, All right, Adam, I'm making you, but I'm going to put you in the garden. I'm going to give you everything you need. Um, Just don't touch this tree. Speaking to your destiny, you're there to be a reflection of me. You're there to walk in my image and in my likeness. And we know that Adam really didn't get it right like some of us. Some people say, well, it was Eve's fault. It wasn't Eve's fault, but but he didn't get it right. And then we go on, and he continues to deal with people. He speaks to Abraham, and we find him dealing with Abraham. His name is Abram at the time, but he says, Abraham, I, I need you to leave your, your country. I need you to leave your family. I need you to leave your father's house and go to the place that I'm going to show you. And through Abram, Abram's walk, at some point, God shows up in his life and says, you know what? You're not Abram anymore. I'm going to change your name. Hold on to that because some of us are still carrying a name that God didn't give us anymore. So he speaks to 
not where Abram is, but where he's taking him. Listen, he, he, he says, leave your family, leave your country, leave all of this, go to the place that I'm going to show you. So don't get tied, watch this, to where you are because I'm taking you to a place in order to, to, to bless you and make you a blessing. We go on and we see him dealing with people like Noah, who was a big joke to the people around him. He says, the Bible says that Noah found grace in God's sight. And so God says, you know what, Noah, it's going to rain. I need you to build an ark and then go in and take your family in there. Meanwhile, he's doing what God wants him to do. And everybody else is laughing at him. They've never seen rain before. They've never felt rain before. But guess what? All of his critics got answered by the rain. God will answer your critics if you just obey him. See, some of us are wasting time. All of this is just foundation for the message, but some of us are wasting time trying to answer people that don't matter when we need to just obey God and do what he said and let the blessing answer the criticism. We see as he goes on, a man named Gideon. He constantly finds Gideon, and Gideon's in a bad way. His family's in a bad way. His people in a bad way. And, and the angel of the Lord shows up and says, you're a mighty man of valor. He just shows up and said, this is who you are. And Gideon says, I don't feel like that. If I'm a mighty man of valor, why am I going through what I'm going through right now? I'm the least of my father's house. And look at my people. Where are all your blessings, God? Where are all of your miracles? And the angel says to him, look, go get up in your strength and do what I've called you to do. See, God doesn't get tied up in your present situation like we do. See, we get tied up in our minds and in our hearts and our present situation, but God shows up and he's constantly speaking to where you are going. Say where I'm going. Say where I'm going. This is important. If you don't focus on where God has taken you, you'll be distracted by your current test, your trial, the things that are making you annoyed and uncomfortable. You got to keep your eyes on where he's taking you. And so we find as the story goes on, Gideon accomplishes the purpose that God has for his life. Last one, he deals with a man named Jacob. And Jacob, I'll preach on probably sometime before the end of the year. But Jacob is interesting because his name means trickster or supplanter. And we can all identify with it because whether we like it or not, no matter how holy or righteous you think you are, inside of you there is a little bit of trickster inside of you. There's a little bit of you that likes to manipulate situations. And Can we be real in here? It's called flesh. So if you're not careful and you don't keep it under the check of the Holy Spirit, and if you don't submit your situations to God, you'll manipulate and that's what Jacob's problem. And so he goes through his entire life as a manip- and it works. Watch this. And this is the, 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 the problem with our culture, Brother John, is the fact that we think that if it works, it's God. There's some stuff that's, that works, but it's not God. And so that's why people are like, man, look at how God is blessing and God have nothing to do with it. And so Jacob gets through his entire life this way. He's, he's, he, he's able to manipulate and move and work situations to work for his own way until he ends up in a situation in a jam that he can't get out of. His brother that he's tricked and, and, and trot wrong is coming after him now. And so he starts to send all of his possessions away. <laughs> he's like, no, all this stuff that I manipulated to get, get rid of it. I don't need the money. I don't need possessions. Family, you go this way. You go this way. And in the middle of the night, God shows up. He shows up right before he's about to face his, his hardest test. God shows up and he wrestles with Jacob the entire night. And the interesting thing about that story, and I hope this is helping somebody. I just want to lay groundwork for today. But he shows up and he wrestles with Jacob. And the Bible says that 
he was not able to prevail against Jacob, which is, is, is interesting because you have the angel of the Lord. God himself is wrestling, watch this, with a man, and he can't overcome him, according to the scripture. Isn't that powerful? We're talking about wrestling with one another, but this is God Almighty. says he's not able to prevail. But what happens after that is interesting. Then he touches the hollow of Jacob's thigh. God touches him in a place where he has no choice but to surrender. And that would be almost discouraging if the story ended there, but God knows where to touch us to get us to surrender. And it's different for everybody. And I probably should stick to my notes, but I just I feel this and I want to help somebody. God knows exactly that place in your life to touch. See, God could have touched Jacob right at the beginning of that wrestling match. But he let him wrestle, use his strength, use his ability, use his knowledge, use all of that. And he's hanging on. He's hanging on like some of you ever felt like I'm not thriving, but I'm just hanging on. I'm just hanging on. And finally, the angel touches him. And his hip is put out of joint. And the angel says to him, let me go, because the day is breaking. So this went on the whole night. Day's breaking. And, and Jacob says something interesting. He's like, I finally come into the presence of God. I finally come into contact with God. And guess what? I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Now, you need to understand the gravity of Jacob's statement. What he's saying is everything that I've manipulated to get my whole life now I have a real opportunity to get what I'm supposed to have, and I'm not letting you go till I get it. God says to him, most people believe that this is a pre, uh, uh, um, this is the pre-incarnate Christ. That's a whole other message showing up and wrestling with Jacob. But what happens after this is Jacob says, what's your name? And God says, why are you asking about my name. And then he changes Jacob's name to Israel. So he, go, he goes from trickster, manipulator, to prince with God. So if he can change Jacob's identity, don't you know he can fix where we are? Don't you know he can fix every label that's been put on you? Don't you know he can fix every label you put on yourself? See, some of us, our enemy is not the labels other people put on us, but it's the labels we put on us. See, we, some of us put our own lid on our own box. God says, I've been trying to push you forward, but you have not, you don't have an understanding of your identity. So let's go and talk about how this really, you know, this whole identity thing relates to us. I just wanted to encourage somebody with that. But 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake, he became what? Poor, so that you through his what? Poverty might become what? Rich. So the beauty about Jesus is that, and, and here's what it says. It says he left what he had, and he gave it up so that you can have and be what God wants you to be. So my question to you is, why will you continue to settle for what society has tried to label you as? Why will you continue to settle for what your circumstances try to label you as? Why settle for what your doctor said? Come on. 
Can, can I preach this thing today? See, because here's he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he became what? Poor for your sake so that you through his poverty might become rich. Now, through grace, we become what we could never be apart from God. And this is so important because what I find is even with ministry, even with church, we use God as a means to an end. It's quiet in here. And what I mean by that is we use it. We use a microphone. We use a stage. We use a platform as a place to be discovered. But really, it was intended to make Jesus, to, to allow people to discover Jesus. And so we are nothing without him, but we can be more than we could ever imagine with him. And realizing that the ultimate form of humility is the fact that I can get far on my own, but I can never get where he wants me to be apart from him. I can never be what he wants me to be apart from him. That's why we go through some of the things that we go through, because we have to be reminded that it's not us. Every now and then, because, you know, you can have it so good that you believe it's you. Even the most humble of people, if you go and you go and you go and things go, you know, and they're working out, sometimes you're like, man, I, I'm doing kind of good. And when you get like that, you begin to look, on look down on people who are not doing as well as you are. But everybody has a journey. Through the grace, we become what we could never be apart from God. True wealth is the result of identity, not money. And this is why people have a problem parting with money on all levels, because they think that's wealth. But if you know who you are, you can lose the material things, keep who you truly are, and get back the material things eventually. So your true, your true wealth it's tied to who you are. So the question I want you to ask yourself is, who am I? I mean, not, not because when I ask you who you are, most people say, well, this is what I do. Who are you? I'm a pastor. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm an uncle. I'm a brother. No, all of those are not who, who I am, <laughs> right? They're descriptions of functions that I have in this world. So I, sometimes we got to strip all of that away. <laughs> and you know what? I'm a child of God. If I've been born again, if I've been saved, I'm marked and washed by the blood of Jesus, and I'm first a child of God. This is important because if I know who my daddy is, there's some stuff that can't touch me. This is, I, I, I know I only got a little bit of time here, but this is why I feel like preaching this thing today. Because... Knowing who you are, you walk differently when you know who you are. And some people, if you're not careful, they'll look at you and say you're arrogant. No, I just know who I am. You know, people come to you and they, they, they say certain things about you and try to make you feel a certain way. And before you know it, you're like this, you know. You know. But when you know who you are, it's something, something. You ever, you, you were, let me be funny. You were having a good day. You ever been having a good day and some, something was in you, having a good day and you just... Things are going well. Yeah, man. You know, I just got me a Whopper meal, and you can have one. Yeah, I want to pay for the person behind me, too. Things are well. They're good. <laughs> then other times, not going too well. Somebody in front of you ordering 10 things for their whole family. And you're like, man, I wish they would hurry up. They don't need all those French fries. <laughs> but that, what I'm saying is, my point is, we walk differently when we have a sense of identity. My dad used to tell me this. You know, this might surprise some of you, but I, I was a good child in school, but every now and then I'd do something. 
you know, mostly it was, you know, it's not the stuff they do now. I mean, it's just, you know, you teacher turn their back, you start talking, you know. They tell you to be quiet, and they turn around, you start talking again. And Back then, it was a big thing. They, they had this notebook, and they write notes home to your parent. You had to bring it back and get it signed. It's the worst thing for me. If I had to take a note home, boy, show it to him. I knew it was over. My mom, man, she, honestly, my mom handled a belt like nunchucks. You, you, you didn't know where that thing was coming from. And then, and then after they, after they, I know somebody, don't call nobody on me. My mom spanked me. She, she, she got me. But the thing that got me about the spanking, after she was done, then they talk to you and be like, all right, now go get something to eat. You, you, you know it hurt me more than it hurt you. And I'm like, the devil is a liar. <laughs> but what she would say was, and what my dad would say was, when you go in that school, remember who you belong to. Your last name is Eaton. And that's how I expect you to act. And sometimes I believe when we go on our job and when we go in our family and when we're dealing with life situations and when the enemy is coming at you, talking to you, I believe sometimes God is whispering, remember who you belong to. I know what they're saying about you, but remember who you belong to. I know what the doctor said. Remember who you belong to. I know what your bank account is saying, but remember who you belong to. Because even though you feel like you don't have anything, I've got all riches and glory. Um, I'll provide all of your needs. Remember who you belong to. You don't belong to this world system. You belong to me. See, this is different because when you feel like that, then people can say things and they just rub off on you. Because, you know, you can be a great believer, but people will still talk about you. You know, it might surprise you, but as a pastor, every now and then people criticize me. <laughs> Not a lot, just every so often. <laughs> Daily. <laughs> but I know who I am. And I know whose I am. And I know who called me. So my job is not really to answer your criticism. My job is to answer his call and let him answer your criticism. And if you realize this, you go on a job or school or anything or family, and you don't walk defeated because you know who you belong to. And you know who told you to do what you're doing. Can we say amen? The confusion comes when you don't know who's speaking. And sometimes people will say, let me move, I'll come back to that. So, 2 Corinthians 5.16, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. We must give up an earthly perspective so that we can take up a godly perspective. Let me make that real practical. You got to stop looking at people on the basis of what you see. And sometimes we deal with people on the basis solely of their appearance and solely of our own perception of what we believe they are, not knowing what they had to go through, not knowing what tests they're dealing with, not knowing what struggle they're dealing with. And we sit there and we make premature, ignorant, stupid judgments about people. Right? And so that means we don't regard anyone according to a worldly point of view. So I've got to look at you, but I'm looking at you and I'm constantly thinking about where is God taking them? I know where you are now. You're, you might be in the pit now. You might be in shackles now. But God is a God of freedom. So I'm worried about let's 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 talk about where he's taking you. Let's talk about who he created you to be a blood washed child of God, walking in freedom, walking in healing, walking in victory, walking with no shackles. That's who I'm looking at. Even the people that get on your nerves now. 
I know y'all are perfect Christians and people don't ever get on your nerves, but every so often, somebody will work my nerve the wrong way. And in those moments, I'm like, they're your child. <laughs> you ever had to say, that? I'm just going to leave you in God's hand? <laughs> it's quiet. Y'all know y'all got people in your life that you're like, you know what, I, 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 I'm just going to let God deal with you. <laughs> you get to a point in the conversation, and you're like, you know what? <laughs> if you ever hear a woman say, you know what? It's all right to laugh in church. Bible says that, that laughter does good, just like medicine. So, we, you know, this is a serious thing we do as believers, but every so often we got to laugh because some stuff in life is just funny. You know, it, it's, just, it's just funny. You, you've been married to him or her all this time. You know who they are, and you still say dumb stuff. <laughs> you, 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 you ever, <laughs> you ever it, the words were coming out of your mouth, and you knew it was going to go bad. And rather than stop, you just took that shovel out and just kept going. And meanwhile, you feel yourself sinking deeper in that hole. Say this with me. Say, I'm sorry. You know, it's okay to say that. I was wrong. When you know who you are, you don't lose anything by apologizing. The goal is not to be right. The goal is to be reconciled different message. Hurry up, February. We must see people not as they are, but as God has intended for them to be. Why? Because who I perceive you to be is who I receive you to be. Who I perceive you to be is who I receive you to be. This is why you, honestly, you ever heard that saying, we got to see the best in people? This is why, because whatever, if I come in contact with you, my perception is going to determine my ability to receive from you, period. And that means God's placed gifts and, 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 and things and anointing inside each and every one of you. I want you to understand that, inside each and every one of you. But if I despise it, I can't receive it. And so that's why we got to get past, oh, they don't dress like me, they don't talk like me, they don't act like me, they're this, they're that, or the other. You get past that because you'll end up messing up and missing a gift because you can't stand how it's packaged. Who I perceive you to be is who I receive you to be. Jesus is a perfect example of that because he could not, the people he was related to could not believe in him because they perceived him to be not who he was. He's just a carpenter. Yet if he wanted to, he could have spoken over every situation in their life and changed it. But their perception put a lock and a block on the blessing that was intended for them. You ever showed up can I make this practical? You ever wanted to do something for somebody, but when you showed up to do it, they were acting so ignorant, you said, forget it. We do that with God sometimes. He shows up in forms we don't understand. He says, I want to bless you. I want to encourage you. But we shut it down by our own attitude and our own perception, and, and we don't receive the full measure of the blessing that God has for us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's what? The new creature, he's a new creature, it says the new creation has come, the old has gone. How many of you eat leftovers? I do. Desmond, them leftovers were good, by the way. Thank you. That was good. But here's the thing. Here's, this is why I say this. You ever, for me, what's funny sometimes is sometimes I'll get something new, but I'll grab something out of the refrigerator and put it on the same plate. So I'll get some new chicken, but there's some old macaroni in there. 
there's some old rice in there. So, uh, and, and, and it's almost like a project for me to set up the plate just right, you know, and get to just the, the pieces of chicken that I want over here. My point is this, is, is it tastes good when it's mixed like that, but our life as believers are not supposed to be like that. When the new has come, all, watch this, all that is old is gone. And so some of us are trying to mix old mindsets with new direction. Some of us are trying to take an old attitude, old patterns, old habits into the new that God has for us. And that's why we remain shackled to our past. He's saying, I made you this, but you're still trying to behave like this. I made you a king, but you're acting like a slave. Think about your own life. Think about what he brought you out of. Think about, let's get real as a church, think about the pull of the enemy to go back. Because when you are tested, you've heard me say this in the church, when you are tested, when you struggle, when you have a trial, you will always, always, always be tempted to go back to what's familiar. And sometimes what's familiar is not good. That's why we need to be people of prayer, people who are in our work, because then when you get pressed, you'll run back to what you know. But see, if, 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 you're, if, if what you know is struggle and sin and addiction, guess what? When you get pressed, guess what you're running back to? You're running back to how you medicate. It's quiet in here, but it's true. And I'm not saying this is a judgment. This, I'm just saying change what you're familiar with. Some of us, not me, Got to be a preference because in this social media generation, people put stuff on there. That, that, but think about this. Some of us didn't lose phone numbers that we should have lost years ago. So what happens is you get pressed, you get in an argument, you get in a struggle, and guess who you call? You don't call Jesus. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you start scrolling through that phone. Hey, I was thinking about you. <laughs> oh, really? I was thinking about you, too. And that little seed destroys your life because you ran back to something that should have been gone a long time ago. You know, do you realize that some things are good, but they're not God? So you can have a good friend that's not a God friend. And when you find out that, sometimes it's okay to say, you know what, it's just not good for me to talk to you. <laughs> Am I helping anybody? All right, let's keep going. Let's, let's go. The old has gone. Say, the old is gone. The new is here. All right. So all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This, first of all, we're made completely new in Christ. We need to understand. We're made completely new in Christ. Completely new. So God didn't make you new and then keep leftovers. But it's up to you to say, you know what, I'm not that person anymore. I'm not that person. See, some people, before they knew Christ, they would tell you up, down, sideways who, about yourself if you crossed them. And some people are saved and will still do it. <laughs> not you, but the person next to you. <laughs> but when you're made new, you can't, you can't do it like that anymore. Say, so you can't do it like that anymore. Sometimes you got to bite your tongue. You want to. Like, Pastor, you feel that way sometimes? I'm not talking about anybody. I'm just talking about what I'm talking about. <laughs> you can't hold hands 
with your past and your future at the same time. Eventually, you'll have to choose which one you're willing to release. Why can't you hold hands with your past and your future at the same time? Because if you try to do that, you won't move. I want you to get that picture in your head, past, future. <laughs> what God is calling me to, what he's brought me out of. <laughs> I want to get to it, God, but I want to take him with me. I want to get to it, God, but I want a little, a little snack along the way. And God is saying, you got to let, let go of that, that sandwich. Speaking in code now. <laughs> let go of that so you can move on forward to what God has for you. And did I ever tell you about my 7-Eleven chicken wings? Let me tell you now. Let me tell you now. You're like, what does this have to do with identity? This is important. Important to understand. 7-Eleven come out with these, these chicken wings, and they taste so good. Brother Desmond, I mean, they're just so good. You think 7-Eleven, but if they, they're fresh out, man, you get eight of those things, it tastes so good. Till about 2 o'clock in the morning. And let me tell you, see, see I'm going to be transparent, but not too transparent. <laughs> Here's what happens. They taste so good. So, you know, I, was, I come home from supervising football games, Brother John, and I stop at 7-Eleven, get, get a drink, get about eight of these wings. I just wind down about 10 o'clock, eat these wings. Man, they sure tasted good, and then go to sleep. And without fail, every Friday, 2, 2.03, about 2.03, I'm like, mmm. Here's my point. There's some stuff that tastes good, but it's not good for you. And it might taste good going in, but you're going to pay for it on the way out. Same thing with this world. If we do not realize who we are, we will allow things in that seem good, and they're good until the end result. So you, you're like, you ever heard her say, you don't have to pay me now, but you're going to pay me later. That's how the enemy is. He's like, you don't have to pay me now. Go on, eat, eat this fruit. Don't know who you are. Don't know you're in the image of God. Just take this. Take it now. It's going to taste good. But he doesn't tell you it's going to cost you the garden. If you're in the sound of my voice today, it's because God still has a purpose for your life. He still has identity for your life. And you're like, man, I made, have you ever been like, some, have you been like, Lord, just let me make a different mistake. Why do I keep making the same thing? <laughs> let's, be real, let's be real. It's like, man, it would be okay if like you made different mistakes, like and fail in a different way, you know. But why is it, man, 10 years and I keep making the same one. I keep going to the same dummy. I keep saying the same dumb things. I keep doing, yeah, yeah. or is it just me? Okay, so you're like, no, this, this, this same mistake is going to be different this time. Really? They cheated on you five other times, but they're different now? They betrayed you five other times, but all of a sudden they changed now? Those chicken wings? But now it's... <laughs> you. I have, I have to say it like this because I want us to understand the fact that some things that God, everything with God is not deep. 
Some of it is, very, you know, some of it is simple as opening the Bible, reading it, and doing what it says. If God says don't touch it, if God says do it, see, some of it is just, it's just that simple, but we make it, you know what, God, I know you told me to do this. Let me pray about it. So you, so you got to pray 10 years about something God told you to do and wonder why you're waiting 10 years for the blessing. And really, I'm just waiting on God. Wait a minute. But he told you over here. And you're over here waiting for a harvest when you didn't plant the seed of obedience over here. I'm not talking about, get, get your mind off flesh stuff. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about obedience. There's things that he says to us. He's like, daughter, son, do this and I'll do this. It's right there in black and white. Been in there the whole time. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Is that, is that scripture? Is that difficult to understand? But you know what we believe? We are the exception to obedience. Say, thank God for mercy. See, you got to lay that foundation first because you can't really appreciate mercy if you don't lay that foundation. Thank God for mercy for grace, for restoration. Because once I get it, here's how the world says it. Once I know better, I... We're almost done. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. What's that next part say? Not counting people's sins against them. All that stuff we just talked about. See, we hold stuff against us. But when our identity changes and we become believers, God is no longer holding those things against you. See, this will hinder your prayers. I'm telling you right now because you will get, you will get on your knees and you're ready to pray. And you've been motivated to pray all day. And an enemy will whisper, remember when? Remember what you did? You know you made that mistake. You know things are never going to change. You know you should have did it this way. In their, their prayer life where you try to pray and all of a sudden he just starts flashing every possible thing to distract you. And you got to remind them, look, I'm not that person anymore. That's under the blood. That's been washed by the blood. You got to come another way. Sometimes you, sometimes you got to sense the enemy coming and say, you got to come another way this time. That's not going to work. You tried that last time. You tried to beat me up. You tried to attack my self-esteem last time. You got to come a different way now because I know who I am in Christ. We're made right with God. Our call is to help others to be made right with God. When you understand who you are, you can boldly help other people become who God wants them to be. Those people in your house that you can't stand, you got to help them become who they want, God wants them to be. But when you realize it, and you realize that if it wasn't for the grace of God, I would be just like you. And this is why some of us can't witness. This is why some of us judge other people, because we don't realize that apart from the mercy and the grace of God, I would be just the same way, just as jacked up, just as messed up as you. But God's grace and mercy brought me out. So you know what? Come on. I'm going to offer you a hand up instead of a kick down. I know that's not popular preaching. Because we want it for me, but we don't want it for other people. And sometimes God just have to whisper. He said, you know, um, Shannon, you, you weren't so hot before I came into your life. 
And as a matter of fact, you're not, you're not that hot now. But I'm here with you, making you everything you, you need to be. And see, when you realize that, then you can see somebody who maybe is not as far along and say, you know what? You, you don't criticize them. You ever heard somebody say, I want to offer you some constructive criticism? But really, all they do is tear you down. How is that constructive? I'm like, I feel worse after talking to you. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was just, I mean, I was just on, on the verge before talking to you, and now, now I heard you, and I really, I just had a headache before you gave me a migraine. <laughs> I don't want to be one of those people, Brother Desmond, that people see me and walk the other way. I realized this, and Brother John, you can probably identify. When I was an assistant principal, I'm, I'm, and I'm going longer than I usually do, but I just feel like this will help somebody. We always had those people that when you're walking down the hallway, you just pray and hope that they don't cross your path. Don't, don't lie. See, some of y'all are like, no, you got that sanctified look on your face. Like, you never... But you have those people that just, Lord, I know I got to walk by this classroom. Please don't let them be at the door. I, don't, I want the light of Christ to reflect so much in me that people don't think, oh, I got to avoid him. Because when we are salt and light, what is in us is attractive, not repelling. Don't be afraid because people, if you, if you follow God, if you really follow him, People who want to follow him will be attracted to you. People who are searching will be attracted to you. Now, if people don't want anything to do with God, they might run. <laughs> but there'll be a drawing. there would be a something. That's why little kids, people be like Jesus was, was this serious person all the time. But why did kids like him? I'm like, he had to be, there had to be a fun part of Jesus somewhere. Because kids sitting on his lap, messing with his hair. Doing this. We are therefore. Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. As ambassadors, we're called to represent another. This is where I want to park and, and bring this thing home. As a believer, you're an ambassador for Christ. That means that you're called to represent or speak on behalf of a government that sent you. You heard that term ambassador before? That means as an ambassador, you don't give opinions. I don't get up here and say, hey, you know, this is what I think. Preaching is not for me to come up and tell you what I think. Can, can we be real? None of this 30 to 40 minutes that God gives me to share with you is to give you my opinion. I can give you my opinion out there when we're done. But as an ambassador, we don't give opinions. I speak on behalf of the government of God. That means that my feelings, watch this, my feelings do not matter. When it comes to preaching and teaching, my feelings don't matter. Even if I read that word and I got to preach it and I don't like what I have to say, I still got to say it. Because I'm not allowed to get up here and give you my opinion. My opinion won't help you. But God's view will. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might in him become the righteousness of God. I'm in right standing with God because of Christ, not my works. Okay? Repeat after me. I will, I will. 
stop beating myself up. Some of us do this daily, all day long. We go home and we abuse ourselves because we didn't always get it right. But your right standing with God is because of Christ. When you accepted him, that means when God looks at you, he sees his son, not you. Is it, I, want, I want you to get the reality of this because this is victorious living right here. God looks at you, but he sees his son. Jacked up as we might be, he sees Christ. When we made that decision to follow him, he sees Christ. Why is that important? It's important for the next thing. My works, what does my works have to do with it? My works are my witness. My works are my witness to what's already been done on the inside. So I know he did it. I know that when he sees me, he's his son, but my works are my witness. They testify to the work that's been done on the inside. Ephesians 4.22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To walk in a victorious identity, I must cut off the things that are seeking to destroy me. Got to cut them off. If there are things that are attacking me, I've got to cut them off. To be made new in the attitude of our minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And this is where we're going to close. I want everybody to bow their head. Just think about this last thing that I'm going to say about our identity and, and walking this thing out. Being a new man and having a new life begins with a new mind. Paul said it like this in Romans. He said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed well, God transforms you by changing the way that you think. Some of us, our biggest defeat in our life is not so much the things that we do on a daily basis, but the way that we think on a daily basis. And so the prayer that I want to be able to pray with you today is that God would begin to deal with our mind will never rise above the level of our thinking. And some of us think, honestly, here's the thing, is we think in line with what we've seen. I was praying the other day and, and really wrestling with God, I'll be honest with you, about why, why I personally wrestle with certain things. Just, and he said, you know, Shannon, he said, that's all you've seen. He said, that's all you've seen your whole life. So you've got to ask me to give you a new mind in this area. You've got to ask me to think differently in this area. When we hear that word addiction, we always think of that. Our mind goes somewhere. Sometimes it goes to the most extreme of things. But really, addiction is an affliction of the mind. You change your mind, you can change the addiction. Whatever it is, some of us are addicted to our own struggle. We become suspicious and nervous when we're not going through something. The old saints used to call it, you're hooked on a struggle. But today is your day of victory if you came in today. I know I preach longer than usual, but I've had two weeks off, so y'all bear with me. Um, but this is a day of deliverance for some of us. What is deliverance? It's, it's I look in the face of what's been attacking my mind and in my heart and say, you know what, God, with your help, 
things are going to get better. I haven't always said it right. I haven't always done it right. I haven't always loved right. I haven't always given right. I haven't always sown right. I haven't always acted right. I, I've gossiped sometimes. I've complained sometimes. I've murmured sometimes. I've, I've spoken wrong of myself. I, my, my confession about me has not lined up with God's confession of me. All of these things. What does it sound like? It sounds like I'm barely going to make it. God, I'm mad at you. I don't know if you love me. Um, I don't know if there even is a God. All of these things happen when we're pressed and attacked. But I just want you to think about something. In the midst of all of that, you still showed up today, which means there is a God that still has a purpose for you. And he thought enough about you to give you breath in your life to make it in here another day. My grandmother used to say, Shannon, there's somebody who wanted to be here today that couldn't be here. There's somebody who thought when they laid down last night that they were going to get up, and they didn't get up. But you, God allowed you to take breath again today. And the reason that I believe that he's allowed you specifically to take breath today is an act of mercy. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I, I feel this so strongly. You were getting ready to go down a path of no return. You're getting ready to do something that you, you, you couldn't come back from. And God says, no, I, that's my mercy and my grace. I, I grabbed you. I brought you to Life City because I love you. And I want to start a new beginning today. You're about to write something off that God didn't write off yet. Let me tell you something. The time that you absolutely despise praying for somebody else is the time you need to do it the most. I want you to say in your heart, I'm leaving it in the hands of God. This is the day that I surrender it. I, I need to take, because God, who am I talking to? You can't make them do right. But once God gets a hold of their heart, you can't stop them from doing right. So what God is calling many of us to do is to stop playing God in our own lives and let him be God. It's called surrender. Sometimes going to God and saying, I give up is a good thing. I give up sitting on the throne of my own life. I give up being hooked on a struggle. I give up listening to every negative thought that comes my way. I give up always caving in to the lies of the enemy. I give up not um, making my confession in line with the word of God. Lord, I begin today to, today to declare that I'm healed, that I'm free, that no matter how much pain I'm struggling with, no matter how much, Lord, I ask you to carry me out of this life. Who is that? Don't raise your hand. But some, some people, I just feel you, you, you secretly, God, carry me out of here. I'm done. And God says, you're not done. That's why I still have you here. Today is the day that the wind of God blows in your life again. Just like he breathed life into Adam, he's breathing life again into you. Every personal scar, every emotional scar, every physical scar, every ministry scar... No ministry child abuse in this church. Mm -mm. 
only purpose. Only fulfillment of your purpose. Come in here and get what you need from God so you can be all that he wants you to be. I'm declaring this place from this day forward a haven of refuge and hope. No matter where you are in life, you have hope. And so here's what I want you to do in this last few minutes. If any of what I said from the start of this message to now, it hits you somewhere, just quickly lift your hand so I can agree in prayer with you. We don't have to be specifics. I just want to know, okay, yeah, that was something in there. You dropped it, and that was for me. Amen. And then the second thing, I don't want to take this for granted. If, you, if you've never been saved and never made the decision to follow Jesus, lift your hand and quickly, I just want to, okay. And the second thing is you're facing something this week that you've got to deal with. In other words, I've got to, there's something we've got to deal with this week. That's how I hear it in my spirit. If that's you, quick, lift your hand quickly. You need favor this week. God needs to work on it um, this week, if that's you quickly. Amen. Amen. All right. I want you to set your faith in agreement with the prayer that I'm about to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, there were a few times that Jesus had to scream. He just talked. He just declared the word of God and what he said happened. And Father, you placed that authority in us. So now I speak over your people. And I speak, first of all, that those who are facing things this week that have to be dealt with, that they need the favor of God, they need the, to be clothed in the favor of God, I speak that favor over them right now, that every person that they come in contact with will be favor, favorably disposed towards them, that decisions will go they need, the way they need to go. Lord, that every provision would be made according to your riches and glory. Lord, thank you for a divine supply in the life of your people. And Lord, now those who are, are hungry and thirsty for restoration, they've confessed their need in their heart for restoration. I pray that you would begin the restoration process in their heart, in their mind. I pray that you'd give them the courage to take the spiritual scissors and cut away that which is not pleasing to you. Some of you, your, your obedience this week and this day is going to have to be radical. There's some things that God spoke in your heart to do. Um, I don't know who you are, and I'm not going to pretend to know who you are, but I know he spoke in your heart to do them, and you need to do them not tomorrow. You need to do them today. So, so for some of you, you're like, what does that mean, Pastor? For some of you, if, he, if God said throw it away, you need to throw it away today. If he said give it, you need to give it today. If he said ask for forgiveness, you need to do it today. If he said, reconcile, reconcile today. Lord, thank you for the courage and faith of your people to obey you today, to do what you've asked them to do. I pray physical healing. For those who are sick right now, I declare that physical healing right now. And just like you spoke to that fig tree and that what, what was declared was not immediately seen doesn't mean it didn't start happening. So as I declare this word of healing over this entire church, Lord, I pray that it, it begins happening right now. At the speaking of my word, the healing process begins in the body. It begins in the mind. 
I pray for every relative connected to people sitting in these seats today, people that have been on the altar that you're lifting up, sons, daughters, cousins, brothers, mothers, fathers, those who people in these seats are earnestly seeking you on behalf of these people. And I pray now where they sit, where they stand in this life, that they be arrested by the Holy Spirit, that you grip them so strong, God, that they have no choice but to surrender to you. I pray that the spirit of pride be broken. I pray courage for those women who are struggling. Pray courage for the men who are seeking to take their rightful place as men. I pray that every door, every opportunity, every person assigned by the enemy to the lives of people in this room be dismissed in the name of Jesus. Repeat after me, Lord, thank you for freedom. Thank you for peace. Thank you for hope. I am a child of God. I'm blessed. I'm prosperous. I'm walking in everything that you've called me to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise today? Here's what I, I want us to do. Um, we're getting ready to leave. Got prayer team up here. Some of you, you honestly, you need to make contact today. I don't know who that is, but you need just someone to agree with you. Um, just, you don't have to tell them your business. If that's you, just come up and agree with them and let them agree with you in faith to believe God to do what he wants to do. Please don't leave until I have a chance to high-five you, shake your hand, fist bump you, um, and bless you weak. Father, in the name of Jesus, pray your blessing upon the weak of these people, that they walk in your favor, that they walk in victory, that they walk in full provision according to your riches and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.